Good evening. Hope all of you are doing well. Today we're learning Maseches Megillah, Daf Yud. And uh, we are going to be starting from the Mishnah at the very bottom of Daf Testament Bays, discussing distinctions between the Mishkan in Shiloh and the Beis HaMikdash in Yerushalayim, just post those eras. So this is how the Mishnah opens, three lines from the bottom. Daf Tes, Amud Beis. The Mishnah says, Ain bein Shiloh Yerushalayim. Thank you very much. There's no difference between the Mishkan and Shiloh in Yerushalayim. Ela Shiloh in the Mishkan in Yerushalayim. In the, excuse me, in Shiloh, in the Mishkan, in the Midbar. Ochlin kachim kalim umayser sheni b'chol You were allowed to eat kachim kalim, uh, more of the lightweight uh, but holy korbanos. Those were allowed to be eaten as well as kachim sheni, as long as you could see Shiloh, the Mishkan and Shiloh. But the only way you were able to eat these uh, types of foods, the kachim kalim and the maiser sheni was if in Yerushalayim is if you were lifting in hachoma within a certain set of walls. Last line of Daf Testament Beis, still part of the Mishnah. Vikan Vikan, both in Shiloh and in Yerushalayim, Kotche Kotchem Neachalim, the higher level of foods, can only be eaten lifting in a climb within the curtains. Um, and then Kedusha Shiloh, as it relates to the Kedusha with which the uh, Mishkan was sanctified in the Midbar, there says the Gemara top of Yud Aleph, Amud Aleph, Yeshachareha Heter. What does that mean, Yeshachareha Heter? That there was a Heter after Shiloh. So Rashi says, top line, One was allowed to be uh, be makrev korbanos on a bama after the destruction of the Mishkan and Shiloh. There was a 57-year period between the destruction of the Mishkan and Shiloh and the building of the first Beis HaMikdash. During those 57 years, the Jews were allowed to bring korbanos um, on Bamos. However, Ukdushas Yerushalayim, the Mishnah concludes, as it relates to the sanctity of Yerushalayim and the Beis HaMikdash, once the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, then there is no leniency for Bamos. So today, we're going to spend the bulk of the halachic piece of thing, piece of the daf today, the first Amud. We're going to be discussing this din of whether or not it's appropriate to have had Bamos after the Chorban Yerushalayim. Can you have this kind of man-made pyre in order to bring korbanos after the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. Our Mishnah clearly is not in favor. One is not allowed to bring a Bama. However, right out of the gates, the Gemara opens and says, that we are allowed to sacrifice in Beis Chonyo. We'll discuss what that means in a minute. Even post korban. What is Beis Chonyo? Rashi, fourth line of the page. Shimon HaTzadik, it's the son of Shimon HaTzadik. Shimon HaTzadik, as we'll learn later in the Gemara, was a Kohen Gadol, and his son, uh, when he moved out of town, he built a Bama, post-Khurban, and people were using it. But we just said that post-Yerushalayim, you're not allowed to have a Bama. So we have to figure this out. So what does the Gemara say in response to this first line? If, if we see that Rav Yitzchak allows Hakrava on a Bama post-Khurban Kasavar, two things we can learn from here. Number one, Beishonyo lav Beisavodazarahi. There were those who thought that Beishonyo had built a Beisavodazara. Obviously, Rav Yitzchak was of the opinion that it was not a Beisavodazara. And the second thing we learn, and now this is getting into the, into the belly of the sugya, is the Kasavar, he is of the opinion uh, Rav Yitzchak is of the opinion that Kedusha Rishona Kitsha Lashaita below Kitsha Laasid Lavo. Let's discuss this concept because it's going to govern our understanding of the next Amut. We know that at the time of the Beis Hamikdash, of course, that space had Kedusha. 
We know, for example, that a person who's tamay meis, that they're not allowed to enter the Beis HaMikdash, and if they do, they have serious onshin. Even today, nowadays, we're very careful, or we should be, about going certain places on the Temple Mount. Not so pushed where, where you are allowed to go, where you're not. Um, there are some um, markations there, according to some postgim, as to what you have to stand behind, whatever it is. But the point is that we know that when the Beis HaMikdash is around, that it's Kitsha The question is that when the Beis HaMikdash was Kitsha was it also Kitsha Is the sanctity of the Beis HaMikdash, as it was then, same today? Did, did it change? Is it identical? Let's say there's a meter, 100% Kedusha when there's a Beis HaMikdash, and post-Khurban, that space is also 100%? Or do we say no? Or do we say that um, that uh, low is that there is no future, uh, there, is no, there is no future of, uh, of Kedusha, and it only stops with the Beis HaMikdash. These are the two possibilities. Now, this Shita in the, in the Gemara on Dav Amad Aleph, the Shita of Rav Yitzchak obviously held that, of course, Kitsha Rishona, but, all, but then here's the Chiddush part, is that Kitsha Lashaita, Below Kitshalasilabo, that it was not sanctified for the future. How do we know that it was not sanctified for the future? This is based on a Pasuk. Six lines down. What does this Pasuk mean? What is Menucha and what is Nachala? Menucha is a, is a reference to Zoshilo, the Mishkan that was in the Midbar in Shiloh, that was in Shiloh. And Nachala, what does the word Nachala mean? Zo Yerushalayim. And the, the Gemara makes a, a, a Hekish. There is what to compare between the uh, Nachala and the Menucha, between Yerushalayim and Shiloh. Just like by Shiloh, you're allowed to have a Bama after its destruction. So too by Yerushalayim, you're allowed to have a Bama. So all of this fits within the framework of Rav Yitzchak, but it doesn't really make sense because our Mishnah said that after Yerushalayim is destroyed, so if our Mishnah says, how can Rabbi Yitzchak say, how does that work? Very difficult. So Amrule, they said to Rabbi Yitzchak, Amris, did you really say this? And he's like, no, 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 I didn't say something so ridiculous as to that thing that's quoted in my name. No, it wasn't me. I didn't say anything. You absolutely did. Amra, you said it. I heard it directly from his mouth. I know that Rabbi Yitzchak said this. He argued with our Mishnah. Why did Rav Yitzchak uh, pivot and say, no, really, I didn't say that, says the Gemara. The reason Rav Yitzchak couldn't maintain his shita was because Mishum Kasha the Rav Mari. What was the question that Rav Mari asked? Rav Mari says, Demosiv Rav Mari, Kiddushas Shilo Yeshach Reheter. He quotes our Mishnah. This is our Mishnah at the top line, that when it comes to Shilo Yeshach Reheter, we have a leniency to bring Korbanos on Obama after the destruction of Shilo for those 57 years between Shilo and the Beis HaMikdash. However, our Mishnah concludes so how could Rav Yitzchak be of the opinion that we're allowed to bring a, uh, a korban on a bama post korban? Hooray! The end of our Mishnah says black on white. It's very clear. That's question number one. And one third of the way down, the Gemara says and Furthermore, an extremely explicit line, just like we had in our Mishnah. Tanan, we have a Mishnah that writes from the time that the Jews came to the Beis Hamikdash. Obviously, there was no Beis Hamikdash at this time. That is what Nachala is. Nachala is not the Nachala of the Hekish of above, where we're allowed to have a Bama. There should be no Bamas. So the Gemara rejects the sheet of Rav Yitzchak outright. So let's just uh, catch the flow here. Our Mishnah said very clearly that when the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed, you're not allowed to have any Bamas. Rav Yitzchak comes along and says, 
when the base of Mikdash is destroyed, you are allowed to have korbanos, and then they torpedoed his shita out of the water. All done. Good. However, the Gemara says it's not so simple to just reject the sheets of Rav Yitzchak, because really, tanoihi. There's a machlokas tanoim about what the halachic status is of Kedusha in the space of where the Mizbeach stood. If post-Khurban, the Kedusha is just like it was before, then of course you're not allowed to have a Bama, because it would be inappropriate to bring a Korban anywhere other than the Mizbeach. But if that, now that's what we call Kidsha Asi Lavo. But if it's low Kidsha Asi Lavo, if the Kedusha of the Beis HaMikdash no longer is the same as it was before, then we should allow Bamos. And we're going to see that here in this Brisa, or at least we're going to try. Tanoihi, the Gemara says to Tanya, but it's not correct. It's not a Brisa. It's actually a Mishnah. Titznan, the Mishnah writes, Machlokas between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua. Amar Rabbi Eliezer, Shamati, I heard a rumor. Kishahayu Bonin Behechal, when they were building the Heichal, Osin Kloim Lehechal Ukloim Lazara, they put up curtains. Ela Shebehechal, Bonin Mibachutz. When they were building the Heichal, they had to build the walls standing outside of the space of the Heichal. Why? Because once you make the Heichal holy, you can't be in the Heichal unless you're the Kohen. That's not allowed. So that's why they would stand outside. So let's say that my Gemara was the space of the actual Heichal. So they wouldn't stand here and build it from within. They would come from the outside and say, that space is going to be holy. I can't stand inside and build. I have to put up the walls. I have to put up the walls out here and get them into the ground. That's how we have to build it. They had to stand on the outside because the Heichal was holy. Masha'in came, the Gemara continues, that Azara bonin mibifnim. When we speak about the Azara, which is a space that people are allowed to go to, we know there was an Ezra's Nashim, there was an Ezra's Yisrael, there were plenty of spaces that people could go, that they could build the walls even from the inside. So that's Shita number one. We will analyze this in a moment. Vamar Rabbi Yeshua, seemingly in competition with Rabbi Eliezer, Shamati, I heard the opposite. I heard Shemakrivin, that you are allowed to be Makriv, Afal Pishain Bayis. Even though there's no base on Mikdash, you can bring a Korban in that space. And Ochlin Kodshe Kalim, Kodshe Kodshim, excuse me, you're allowed to eat even the holiest of Korbanos, Afal Pishain Klaim, even though normally we can only eat them within Klaim, physical Klaim. But here we are still allowed to eat them. And Kodshim Kalim, Maiser Shani, Afal Pishain Choma, they can be eaten in a space where the wall would have been. And why is it Rabbi Yoshua? Hold so leniently across the boards here. Now let's get, this is where we're going to get into the teeth of the sugya here, Mipnei. The reason why Rabbi Yoshua says that you are allowed to bring korbanos, why you can eat kachim, kach why you can eat kachim kalim, is Mipnei, a little bit more than halfway down. Shekdusha Rishona Kitsha Of course, we know that the base of Mikdash was absolutely a holy space when it was built. But the Asid Lavo, the space of the base of Mikdash always maintains its Kedusha, period. If we hold this way, and most of us are Tmei Mace, maybe with the exception of a coin, maybe, right? It's not so Pasha. So if, if we are uh, our Tmei Mace and we go into the Beis HaMikdash, that's terrible. You're not allowed to do that. So if we do that now, and really the Kedusha, the Beis HaMikdash today is Kitshala Asilavo, it's exactly the same as it was then as it is now, but that's a big problem. And that's the Shita of Rabbi Yoshua. So we see from Rabbi Yoshua that he holds Kitshala Asilavo. And when you hold Kitshala Asid Lavo, that also means that Bamos are, are Asr. Okay. Mechlal, what is implied from the Shita of Rabbi Yoshua? Mechlal, Rabbi Eliezer, Savar, Lo Kitshala Asid Lavo. It must be that if that's how he's explaining his own Shita, it must be that Rabbi Eliezer holds the Lo Kitshala Asid Lavo. And therefore, 
as the Gemara was trying to show earlier, it's not so simple to reject the opening sheet of Rav Yitzchak as we saw at the top of the Yamud. We have a machlokas in the Tanoim as to whether or not we say that Kitshala Shaita was Kitshala Shaita only, or if it was also Kitshala Asilava, machlokas Tanoim. So therefore, our Mishnah isn't so simple as being the only valid sheet. Maybe Rav Yitzchak's also valid. Amrali Ravina the Ravashi. Ravina says to Ravashi, that's not right. That's not right. This, this Tanaic source, this Mishnah that you brought me, is not a good enough raya to highlight the fact that there's a machlokas between those who say that the Kedusha of the Beis HaMikdash is permanent versus those who say that it was only temporary at that time. Dilma, after all, maybe we could have just said, really, maybe everyone holds Kedusha Rishona Kitshala Shaita, the Kitshala Asilava. Maybe, even according to Rabbi Eliezer, the first Shita in the Brisa, maybe even he would say that the Kedusha is permanent. Umar, my Umar, Umar, my And people were just saying what they heard, but they weren't, as Rashi highlights over here. Take a look at Rashi, 12 lines or so from the bottom. Dibur Hamas, Umar, my Demashmiya, We weren't talking about Kedusha. You're making Diyukim in a space where you weren't meant to make a Diyuk. This Bryce is not talking about Kedusha. It's talking about some technical aspects of building. It says the Gemara, that's impossible because what did we see about Rabbi Eliezer? What did he say about building the walls of the Heichal? Where did he say you have to stand? Outside the Heichal. Why? Why do you have to stand outside the Heichal? Uh, the Kedusha was always there, the Kedusha was never there. Why do you have to stand outside the Heichal? So the Gemara says, According to your, your Shita, that they're not even talking about Kedusha, then why did he have to be so particular about where he was standing? So says the Gemara, Maybe it was just there for the modesty that the Kohen should not do the Avodah publicly. And therefore, we reject this Shita in the Gemara that there is a Machlokas Tanaim from this previous source. So the Gemara says two lines before the wide lines on Yudam and Aleph, Ela, Kihani Tanoi. There actually is another Brisa that indicates that there is a Machlokas in regards to whether or not the Kedusha of the Beis HaMikdash was permanent or temporary. Says the Gemara, Ela, Kihani Tanoi, Detanyof, last of the short lines. Omar, Rabbi Yishmael, Rabbi Yossi. Let's remember his name. It will come up again shortly. Rabbi Yishmael, Rabbi Yossi says, Lama manu chachamim eselu? Uh, if we were Talmidi chachamim, we would know what this Bryce is talking about. I had no idea what this is talking about. Uh, and I use Rashi and other sources to, to figure it out. We have a Brisa that speaks about the world of Bate Arechom. And the, the, the Brisa here explains that the Chachamim articulated as Elu that there were nine cities that were considered the cities that were Mukafos, Mimosi Yoshua Bin Nun. So why were they articulated? Why did we have to know about them? The reason was, was because Shekisha Alu Hagola, when the Jews came back up from the Gola, from exile, Matsues Elu they had to re sanctify these cities for the sake of Batari Choma. Avala Rishonos, all the earlier cities, they didn't have their Kedusha. So if they had to come back and re-sanctify, what does that teach us? That it didn't maintain its Kedusha. Alma, what we see from here is Kasabra, Kedusha Rishona, Kitshala Shaita, Velo Kitshala, We see from this Shita, Rabbi Yishmael, Rabbi Yossi, is that the Kedusha wasn't permanent. Because when the Jews came back, they re-sanctified the cities that were initially Kadosh Mimos Yeshua Ben Nun. So says the Gemara, that's Shita number one. The problem is that we have a stira. And who is the stira between? This author was Rabbi Shmuel Bereb Yossi. Let's see who the new author is. Urminhu, Amar Rabbi Shmuel Bereb Yossi. Uh-oh, same person's name, different Shita. It's going to be a problem. Vichy Elu Bilvad Hayu. Were there only these? This is the exact opposite of what we said. We said there were only nine. And this version of Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yossi says, were there only these? We had over 60 cities that were, were Bate Arechoma. So 
So that doesn't work. Uh, they're not the same thing. So, why is it that the Chachamim detailed all of these 60? So it says the Gemara, the Brisa writes that they went up to, to re-sanctify them. But here the Gemara poses a big question on this Shita of Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yossi. Turning to the top of Yud, Amud Beis, the Gemara says, Kitshum Hashda, what are you talking about? They, you couldn't have sanctified them right now. We said in this brisa, but a little bit later, that there's no need, that there's no need for these to be kadosh. Ella, so the language of the brisa has changed. Any city that was Shemukefes Choma Memos Yoshua Ben Nun, any city at all, doesn't require Kedusha. The halacha is as follows Kol ha mitzvos halalu, any mitzvos that specifically apply to Yoshua Ben Nun, to cities that are Mukafos Choma Memos Yoshua Ben Nun, Mibneshek Dusha Rishon, Kitchel Ashaita, Kitchel Asilavo, Kasha de Rabishmal, Ad Rabishmal. So we have two bright, we have a Mishnah and a Brisa. One of them indicates Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yossi was of the opinion that Kitshel Shaita is only Kitshel Shaita below Kitshel Asilavo. And the next Brisa of the Shita of Rabbi Yossi is not that way. The next Brisa indicates the opposite, that it is Kitshel Asilavo. So how do we deal with this seeming contradiction? The Gemara provides two answers. Trey Tanoi Aliba Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yossi that really there were two Talmidim of Rabbi Yossi who didn't understand how to read these brisas. And then the Gemara gives a second answer, which paints the picture that the Gemara was hoping to paint. And then I'll summarize. It wasn't Rabbi Shmuel Rabbi Yossi, it was Rabbi Eliezer Bar Yossi. Detanya, Rabbi Eliezer Rabbi Yossi Omer, Asher Lochoma, what does that Pasuk mean? That reflecting the Shita, that even if there are no walls now, but there used to be, it still maintains its Kedusha. So therefore, we have two Shitas in the Tanoim. We have one Shita that says, Rabbi Shmuel Bar, uh, Bar Yossi on the previous page was of the opinion that the, the Kedusha was temporary. That's why in that previous uh, mission on the previous page, when they came back up, they had to re-sanctify these nine cities. However, according to Rabbi Eliezer Bar Yossi, he says, no, Kedusha is, is lost in love, it lasts forever. So Bikitzer Nimrats, and then we're going to jump into a very uh, long but very fast Agatha till the end of the page. It'll be pretty rapid from here on out. But Bikitzer Nimrats, we saw in our Mishnah one Shita that the Kedusha of, the, of Yerushalayim was uh, was uh, was Hetter, that you're not allowed to have any Hetter at all. Seemingly, that's because the Kedusha of Yerushalayim was permanent. Rav Yitzchak says that's not true. We allow for Bamos. Um, and then uh, we saw two sets of, of Machlokos Tanaim to support this idea. And that is the summary of this page. Uh, we're going to move very rapidly through this brisa. We're starting right now on Yud Amud Beis, about 10 lines down at the two dots. Agarata. The Gemara says, We know the opening Pasuk of, uh, of the Megillah Esther. And Amar of Levi V'yitemer of Yonasan, We have a tradition from the leading the leadership of Yanshei Knesset Agdola, that kol makom shenemar vayihi, any Pasuk that has the word in it, vayihi, in the beginning of the Pasuk, that is bad news for the Jews. And here are some examples, a whole handful of them. Here the first long line on Yudam at base, the first one, vayihi b'me'achashverosh, the story of Achashverosh was not Gishmak. The results were Gishmak, but it was a very 
difficult process. So then says the Gemara, what's the next bus? Story of Rus. And after that, there was a famine. Next, story of Noah, a lot of people in the world. And then what happened? People got bad. What happened with the people by the Dor HaFlaga? They said, we're going to rebel against Hashem. And it said, Vayihi there also. It says, Vayihi, what was the result? Bad news again. And then it says, We see Vayihi. And then what ended up happening in that sword? He was presented by someone who had a sword. Bad news again. Vayihi, another presentation of Vayihi. And then the bad news took place. And then it said, and what was the result of that? That Chana couldn't have any children. Story of uh, her and El. When Shmuel was old, unfortunately, his children didn't follow in his pathways. And then another example, what I don't even know, I didn't count. What is this? 10. Yet, nevertheless, what was the result of that? Shal was chasing after David. It was, uh, he was chasing a ghost. He was uh, terrified about something and he started chasing David. Next. So the king sat in his house. And then what ended up happening? David was told he wasn't going to build a house. All of these shitas are here to support one idea. The word by he at the beginning of the Pasuk is not good. Says the Gemara, that's not true. And I'll give you a whole handful of, of, of examples where we see that Vayhi is actually not so bad. So says the Gemara, Vayhi David, uh, says the Gemara of Haksiv, we're about a third of the way down on Yudim Abbas, five, six lines into the white lines, last word in the line, Haksiv. And what does the Bryce say about those days? That day was like the creation of the world, an absolutely thrilling day. So says the Gemara, that's one Pasuk. So we see a connection between the day of the creation of the world and the day of the Yimei Luim. That's beautiful. Says the Gemara, wasn't all beautiful. What ended up happening there? Hashachiv, Nadav Aviu. Nadav and Aviu ended up getting killed with the Eish Zara. I, okay, good point. Seven lines down in the wide lines. The Gemara says, but I have another example that was positive. That was a good positive. There's another one with Vayihi that works. And another one, Vayachiv. The second day of creation, the third day of creation. There are so many examples where the word Vayihi is not a bad word. So we started off this section by saying that, yeah, it's possible that Vayihi is a bad word, but we said it's not so simple that it's a bad word. Then the Gemara clears everything up for us. We're one, more than one third of the way down, almost halfway down, middle of the line, middle of the page. Amar Ravashi, you're right. When what the Pasuk says is only the word by itself, then some are good and some are bad. However, when you have the combo deal of and like we started with, those are very bad. That's where things are terrible. And there are five of them. There were five. What were they? Those were the five. So that's what the Gemara says. And that's the end of this section. And moving on, we're now going to learn 18, not all today. We'll learn the first six or seven today. I think six. We're going to learn 18 different short drushas that Rabbanim would give when they would stand up at the pulpit at the front of the at the front of the base measures to give shear. Let's get started. Says the Gemara halfway down. The Omar Reb Levi, Davar Amatsya Achim Hayu. These two people were brothers. Oops, sorry. 
So what? Was this like the genealogy website? Who cares? Why are you telling me that they're brothers? So says the Gemara, my Kamashmalan, what does this come to teach us? Says the Gemara, huge yisod and sneers. Whenever there is a woman, a married woman, who's modest in the home of her father-in-law, so you're staying at the in-laws, and she stays perfectly modest, that woman will merit uh, having children who will be kings and prophets. How do we know? We know from the story of Tamar. It's a very strange story because, and we may have just glossed this over having seen the Pasuk so many times, but it stands out. Let's translate this Pasuk. Yehuda saw her and thought that she was a prostitute because she covered her face. Now, I'm no expert in the business, but from what I understand, these women are usually scantily clad. They are not covering their face. They're more revealed, if anything else. So what in the world is the basic shot in the Pasuk and Chumash? Azona is not someone who's known for her modesty. So what, what, what's happening here? Because she was covered, he thought she was Azona? No, take, listen to this. Just unbelievable. Should have been the opposite. Says the Gemara. Because when Tamar was in her father's house, father-in-law's house, Yehuda didn't know what she looked like. He didn't know what she looked like. So then when he saw her with her face uncovered, did not know who was Tamar. He had no idea who she was. Oh, so you're saying when he was at the crossroads and saw her, her face was uncovered at that point? Yeah, he was referencing, I didn't know it was Tamar because I've never seen her before. I She was in my house, but I never saw her. She was so modest. So Pshat in the Pasuk is the flip of what it looks like. It looks like, oh, this woman is uh, standing at the Parashas Drachim. She's a Zona. Because her face is covered, that doesn't make any sense. So obviously what must be going on is what the Gemara says. And therefore, therefore Tamar was Zohar to kings and prophets. Who were the kings? Through that line of David, there were kings. And this is why we quoted this line. Amotz had a Navi come from him and Amotz was part of this family of Tamar. Beautiful, uh, beautiful Dvar Torah for Tznias, although it does pose a little bit of a question because in Halacha, we Jews don't have a requirement for women to cover their faces. That's true in some sects of Islamic law, but it's not true across the boards. It's certainly not true halachically. There's no need for... I saw a woman here in Jewel. This happened to me two years ago, standing in Jewel. I was standing in line and uh, I hear this phrase, Shalom Aleichem. I just... I picked up my hand. I didn't see anyone. I didn't. I didn't know who said it. And this woman was standing there. I mean, like mamish, every like just her eyes. She's like, "Why you don't respond when someone says shalom aleichem?" Why was she talking to you anyway? She's so mm-hmm. Right? I didn't say that back to her. I'm like, "Oh, aleichem shalom." <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, I, when you drive into each other, there's a lot. There's a large community there. I've heard. I, I heard rumors. Yeah. But it's not halacha lemais. It's not in Shulchan Aruch anywhere. We don't have such halacha to cover one's face. But this was what happened with Tamar. Maybe they're Tamar descendants. Maybe they're Tamar descendants. But they're not malachim and Nevi'im, That's for sure. I thought it was Aser to cover Tamar's problems. No. Aser to cover your face. Aser. Halachically. Don't think so. I don't think so. Next, otherwise women could women, women couldn't wear masks during COVID. It would cause for some serious <laughs> political issues, you know. Next, the Gemara says halfway down, another thing that is a Misora from our forefathers. 
the Aron, as we know, sat in the Kodesh HaKodashim. However, it had zero footprint, even though it had measurements to it, it had zero footprints. How do we know? Tanya Nami Hachi, the Bryser writes as follows. Aron she'asa Moshe yeshla eser amos l'chol ruach. The room was only 20 by 20. And the Aron sat in that room. Yet from one side of the Aron going south, there was 10 Amos. And from the other side, there was 10 Amos. The Aron was in the middle, but the whole room was only 20. So how do you have a room that's 20 Amos, something sitting in the middle that takes up space, yet there's 10 Amos on each side of that thing that takes up space? It's a nace. That's what the Gemara says, that it was a nace. We know that that room was only 20 amos. And as well, we know the space was a certain width because so therefore, how is it possible? How, how, how did the math work? Says the Gemara, it must have been like the ultimate optical illusion where let's say you would count 10 steps, your 10 amos. You could walk the 10 steps, but the Aron physically took up space. And on the other side of the Aron, you could also walk your 10 amos. It's just Pile Plame. It's an ace. It's hard for us to fathom. That's what the Gemara says. When he would start talking about Megillah's um, Esther, here's what he would say. I'm going to destroy and cut down Babel. Hashem said that these four things will be destroyed about Babel. What are they? Shame is that there is no more a Babylonian people. Shame Zehaksab. So shame means, uh, sorry, let me start over. Shame Zehaksab. This is their language. Their, uh, their written alphabet. She'er is a lashon. This is the, sp- the spoken language. Nin is a reference to Zem Malchus, to, to their kingship. That's gone. The Nechad, Zuvashti, all the descendants of Vashti died with her. Okay, that's how he opened up his conversations. Reb Shmuel Bar Nachmeni, Pasach Lapischa, Lahai Parsha Samehacha, he would speak about Megillah's Esther as follows. Famous Pasuk, Tachas Ana Atsutsi, Aleve Rosh, Besachas Asirpad, Yale Hadas. What are all of these terminologies? What's tachas? In place of the na'atus, was, was, it was replaced with birosh. And in the place of the sirpad, was replaced hadas. So let's learn each one separately. Right before the tosvos in the top line, before the uh, little insert of tosvos. Tachas na'atus. Who was the per- person referred to as na'atus? That's tachas haman harasha. She'asa atzma avodazara. He made himself into avodazara by making others worship him. How do we know that na'atus is a language of avodazara? Which is a pasuk that speaks about Avodazar, and we see Naatzutim is used over there. So he was out. That's what we said. Tachas Naatzutu replace him. Yaalev Rosh. What is Yaalev Rosh? Zem Mordechai Shenikur Rosh Lachol Abesamim. He was the the person in charge of all of the Besamim. Shenemar Ve'atok Kach Lachab Besamim Rosh Mordoror. Umetargamin on the targum of the pasuk of Mordoror is Mordachi Mordechai. So that's how we see a reference to him is Rosh Besamim. So that's why Yaalev Rosh is a reference to Mordechai basically taking over for Haman. Let's continue in the Pasuk. Tachas Hasirpad, that's Vashti. Tachas Vashti Harisha'a, who was Vaspino, the granddaughter, Shal Nebuchadnezzar Harasha. And what did he do? Shesaraf Refidas Beis Hashem. He burnt down the structure of the house of Hashem. Look at the play on words. What did the Pasuk say? Tachas Hasirpad, Saraf Refidas, Sirpad. That's a little bit of a note on those two words are connected. Tachsi Refidas Sozahav, that the base of Mikdash was made with gold, and she's out, Vashti's out, who replaces her? Ya Le Hadas, the one referred to as Hadas, she's the one who is now the better one. 
And we know she was Nikre Sadasa because the Pasuk reads that Mordechai raised Hadasa. What does the rest of the Pasuk mean? Hashem's name will be brought forth by the reading of the Megillah. What does it mean that this sign will never stop from the Jewish people? That even the Mosa Mashiach were still going to have Purim. Next, 10, 12 lines from the bottom. On Yodam Ad Beis, says that we're going to wrap up to the top of Yod Alpha and Alpha, and then we're going to stop. Says the Gemara as follows. He would start talking about Megillah Sester with the following Drasha. The Pasuk reads, Just like Hashem is, is joyous when He is doing good for you, He's also joyous when He does bad for you. Says the Gemara, that's impossible. There's no way that Hashem could be happy for having done bad to the Jews. The Gemara says, Is a Kaddish Baruch Hu really happy? Chadi means happy with the downfall of the evil. That's not possible. The Pasuk reads, When the, those uh, were going out in the army, there was some singing that was taking, taking place, some chanting. What, what did they chant? They said, What's missing? The words are made. Why doesn't it say To show us that there's no possible way that Hashem could be up, could be smiling down on us when things are bad. That's source number one that rejects this basic understanding of the pasuk that Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi was trying to teach that Hashem is happy with mapalos and shel That's not true. And not only that. Again, with the very, very wide lines right after the Tosfos. Jews are wicked generals. What? Wicked Jews or wicked? It says uh, it should. It seems to be on the Jews because the pasuk reads, just like he does. He's happy when he does good for you, which the Chorah is talking about Jews. But that's a good question. What pasuk is this talking about? Yeah, it's a pasuk in Devarim. Seems to be. So that's what the Gemara says. And then the first long line, well, the first long line for the second time, eight lines, seven lines from the bottom of We're going to bring another proof that a Kaddish Baruch Hu doesn't like the Mapalos and Shel Sadikim. It actually might be both, Michael, because of this Raya. What happened that night by Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim? You had the water on one side, the Jews in the middle, and you had the Mitzrayim on the outside. So Bikshu Malachi Ashar Islamar Shira. They wanted to say Shira once all the Mitzrayim started dying. Amr HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Maise Yodai Tovim Bayan Lachim Omim Shira. Famous return. But how can you say that you're going to say Shira? What the Malachim were saying was unacceptable. If the Malachim were saying that... Um, that uh, people are going to die. How can you say Shir Hashem says that's that's just not polite? So we see that that's definitely not what Hashem wanted. He's not the one who's happy, but others are happy. And this is actually Meduyak in the Pasuk. Because the Pasuk read that he enables others to be happy. That he is happy. That a Kodesh Baruch Hu is not happy. He would start giving drushes on Megillah Sester in the following way. For a man that's good before him, Nasan Chachma. Vidas v'simcha, he would give him wisdom and knowledge and happiness. Zeh, that pasuk refers to Mordechai Tzadik. What about the next pasuk or the next part of the pasuk? Belachote nasan inyan le'esof lichnos. Zeh, Haman, he was doing terrible things. Laseis latov lifnei ho'elu kim zeh Mordechai ve'ester. That was the good things that they were doing. Yichsi v'atasem ester es Mordechai al beis Haman that he took over the house, but they were working together. 
uh, two lines from the bottom, our fifth example of a shear that was given by someone, Rabba Bar Ofran, a unique name in, in the Gemara, Pasach Lapischa Lahai Parsha Samehacha, he would speak about Megillas Esther as follows, Vesamti Kisi Be'elam, Ve'ha'avad Timisham Melech Vesarim, what does it mean that there would be lost from there? Kings and officers, Melech Zovashti, she was a part of the kingship, Vesarim Zohaman Ve'aseres Banov, that Haman and all ten of his sons would die. The last one for tonight, Rav Dimi Bar Yitzchak Pasach Lapischa Lahai Parsha Samehacha, Top of Yeralef Amenalef, Ki Avodim Anachnu Uva'avdo Seinu Lo Azavnu Elokeinu, We did not leave Hashem, we're your servants. Vayet Eleinu, Aleinu Chesed, You extended Chesed upon us, Lifnei Malchei Pras. Eimosai, when was this? Says the Gemara, Bizman Haman. This was during the time, Malchei Paras. That was when Hashem extended kindness to us. Things looked very murky. Things looked pretty, pretty gloomy, but Hashem saved us. We'll stop right here. Mir Hashem, tomorrow we'll pick up three lines from the top of Yeralef and Aleph and learn a blot and a half. Wishing you all a beautiful night.